Hello and welcome to this first of three-part installment of Smoke and Burn. I'm Casey Gresseth, and today I'm joined by Danielle Wallace, who's the Content Strategy Manager for BG Products. How are you doing, Danielle? I'm doing great. Tuesday morning, ready to go. Right, yeah, we're doing this during work hours, you know, so <laughs> burning a little on-the-clock time. Um, so this episode I thought would, would be kind of unique in that I, I think that uh, kind of... What got me thinking about this is your segment at at convention this year um, about marketing yourself within your territory. And, you know, it it applied to distributorships and to sales reps. But it really got me thinking about how, you know, we can use social media and other platforms to be present in our territory when not being present. So that's kind of what spurred this conversation on. But, Daniel, first off, you know, tell me a little bit about your career and how you ended up here. Okay. I started at BG about 13 years ago and I was a marketing coordinator. So I did a little bit of everything, but I really liked uh, doing a lot of stuff on digital. I started doing the BG Facebook, um, I think about 2008. And that's kind of where all of our social media stuff started. And at that time it was like, just be present and really nothing more than that. Like, you know, it's kind of important back then, but nobody really knew how to do it or, or what the best thing was other than, you know, I should probably have a Facebook page. I'm trying to think like Facebook was a lot different back then in the way it was laid out and like what you could actually do and stuff on it. Um, so was it a, did you start with like a business page like they have today or was it something different? I actually did have a business page, uh, right from the beginning, but it was a lot easier to reach people. People could actually see what you posted and I didn't have to post that much to actually get results. So, so the, yeah, that was interesting, but, but yeah, I started that early on in my career and I've just kind of added more and more platforms. And now we have a team of people helping with all the social media stuff. So that's been really cool. Uh, so mostly I'm, I'm in marketing, but my heart isn't digital. Very cool. Now, I've noticed, you know, especially over the past, I would say two or three years here, like it seems like BG is making more content specifically for those types of platforms instead of just like, you know, posting some of their traditional marketing stuff that they made for other, you know, media and stuff like that. Um, so is that is that kind of what your team here does is they is they tailor content specifically for Facebook and Instagram and things? I wouldn't say necessarily specifically for it. Uh, we create the blog to to educate consumers, and and we also have an automotive professionals section, so you could do, you could see both. But the content is purely educational, so that's been a huge shift in how businesses communicate. Is that they're leaning more toward being thought leaders and uh, educating customers instead of hard selling everything. Explain what's a thought leader. So in, in BG's case, uh, being a thought leader in the automotive industry would be a huge goal for us. And so that is uh, leading, leading the industry on a particular message. And the message I think that BG has to share is on the importance of automotive maintenance. So if we're leading the thought on the importance of automotive maintenance, we're communicating that to all of our various audiences, technicians, uh, advisors, consumers, everybody. And that goes all the way across the board. 
So that's kind of been leading uh, our content strategy. And, and that's, that's where we start. We get a lot of our content ideas by what, what do people search on Google? And, and of course, what, what kind of questions do people ask on social media? So in that way, yes, we are creating content for those platforms, but um, ma- mainly because we're mining content from those platforms. I think uh, you and I were talking about the, the whole concept of being a thought leader the other day. And the example you gave me was AAA and how, you know, n- nobody really knows why, but every automotive article out there at some point quotes AAA. You know, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is. They're, they're seen as like a, a, an expert resource on anything to do with automotive. Yes, uh, AAA has sort of positioned themselves to be uh, like a leader in safety. Like their their thought leadership has come a lot in safety type articles. And I see, I see presentations where people say AAA says this or AAA says that. And and really roadside assistance, right? Yeah. But they they were able to connect themselves with safety and it, and it's a perfect connection. It makes total sense. And so now they're not just a, a company trying to make money off of people. They're actually a resource, a trusted resource. You know, it's it's funny because like in when it comes to being a salesman in a territory, uh, my dad's always said that, you know, whoever tells them about a subject first is generally the one who's going to get the sale. Right. So there is value in being an educational resource and being the first one to really go into depth with a customer on a given subject, you know, it lends a lot of credibility to, to our name as a company. And so, so basically you scale that. So we're, we're leading the narrative. If we're out there leading the narrative on the importance of automotive maintenance, we're looking out for you and able to keep your car longer, spend less money on repairs and gas and things like that. Now, now we're a trusted expert. That, that's, that's the ultimate goal. So that kind of leads us to where, okay, how, how does this, how do these same principles apply to, you know, me, the average BG salesman out in my territory? Like, are these things useful to me? What, what role do you see, you know, social media presence and stuff like that having in a, in a regular sales guy's uh, business? Well, think about what you just said about being the first to to educate. So here at BG, we have a lot of content like we just talked about that's educational. That's stuff that is there uh, for sales guys to share and use. And we are 100% open to new ideas if there's something that a sales guy wants to share or wants us to research or provide any sort of information on, we're, we're open to do that. I would say uh, using social media in in your business, once you get people to like your page, it means they like you or they like the company you represent and they want to hear more of what you have to say. And so if you're giving them a deal or constantly self-promoting, people are going to lose interest pretty quickly. But if you're educating and offering valuable content, whether it's, um, like I said, educational or entertaining um, they're going to stick around. And to me, social media, it should be a place to deepen relationships. So, so sales might be kind of a secondary goal of having an online presence. It's more about connecting with your customers 
at a deeper level. Yes, exactly. And it's, it's a little scary to say that in a, in a sales focused company, <laughs> but you know, all roads lead to sales in, in this aspect, aspect, because if you're deepening relationships, that's something else that they, that your customers would have to give up. They're not just giving up the highest quality product. They're giving up a relationship, which I think would be a lot harder to walk away from. Right. I've, I've always thought, you know, that there's value in, in customers seeing, you know, they, they need to see you as a, as a, as a resource to their business. They need to see you as a, a product and, and subject matter expert, but there's value in them seeing the human side of you, you know, on, uh, as a, as an extra component to all those other things that you do for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned being present when you're not present. That's, that's exactly what digital is. People are, have their phones in their hands all the time when they're on the toilet. Like you are accessible twenty four seven when you're not there, and and a rep who is responsive and engaged with all of his customers on where at a, at the touch of a button, I would think that's that's pretty good relationship building, and that's also that's being present when you're not present. Absolutely. And side note, there, it's a good idea to never touch anybody else's phone. Yes. Pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> So that really gets to the heart of, of, I think, why you and I talked about doing this episode as a whole is, you know, for for the individual sales rep that's trying to deepen ties to his territory and connect with his customers on a more intimate level and establish, you know, um, a a more indispensable persona, you know, Mm -hmm. for those people. social media could be the perfect component to do that. Now, is there a certain platform that you recommend for the guys or, you know, what's the pros and cons of like LinkedIn versus Instagram versus Facebook? Well, you, you have to, you have to have your expectations managed with each platform. So overall, I'd say my advice is you want to go where your customers are it's going to be a lot harder to get your customers to go on Instagram if largely they are on Facebook. Mm. So from what I've seen, uh, several reps are very successful on Facebook. Um, Spiro from Oklahoma. Is he from Oklahoma? Yep. Uh, he's very successful in, and Sean White. They, they do really well on Facebook and get a lot of response. But then some do really well on Instagram because that's where their customers are. They are in And the other thing I want to say is that if you're not comfortable or you don't enjoy using that platform, it's going to be really hard to stick with it. Now you say that, but then you keep trying to make me use LinkedIn. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. So LinkedIn is the ultimate networking platform. And if you want to get away from all the silliness and talk business and make some serious contacts, LinkedIn is where you want to go. And and I, I think everyone should be on LinkedIn, period, if you are a business professional. Where you want to build your network of customers or market your business, uh, that could be Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, uh, really, really anywhere. It, it, wherever you feel like you can get the most engagement from them, you can build a group anywhere, as long as you tell them that you're there. Um but yeah, I definitely recommend everybody being on LinkedIn. Well, in terms of engagement, it seems like LinkedIn 
is much easier to get your message out in front of your contacts because it's Facebook buries it. Instagram is a little better, but they bury posts as well. LinkedIn, it seems like your posts just kind of churn around out there in the market for days or weeks or whatever. I mean, is that kind of, is that accurate to say? Yeah, it seems like so far on LinkedIn, people can see your every move. You like a post, your fans will know about it. I'm not sure if that's going to continue, but it's... Yeah, that's been exactly what the other platforms have, you know, cut out. Mm -hmm. So from a, from a business standpoint, and since you've kind of, since you've set up a lot of these different accounts and have managed them. If I'm a, if I'm a sales guy looking to, you know, Facebook specifically, if I'm looking to start a Facebook page, should, should these guys, should they gravitate towards a personal page or a business page or, uh, you know, what's the pros and cons of, of those two formats? Well, I think that Facebook is really, uh, locking down on people using their personal profile as a business profile. I'm not hundred percent sure on, on how that's going, but as far as being a representative of a company, I, I think that, that you could be yourself. Like you could be Mr. Sales rep of such and such territory and you can make that a business page or you can make it a personal page. To me, the, the downside is that eventually you're going to want to share photos of your kids to your family and not necessarily wanting that to go to your business group. I, I think it's better to keep it separate um, just, just because you, you want to remain professional, but then you also want to talk about your favorite sports team and that, you know, some, some of the stuff you post may or may not be good to post on your business page. Yeah, I've too. seen what some of you people post. <laughs> I'm trying to say this as eloquently as possible <laughs> without naming any names. Yeah, you, you may want to keep your your conspiracy website and uh, <laughs> you know your memes in check. Yeah, but the the big thing that I want to say is that when when you do create that business platform, that not to worry so much about publishing and publishing. The biggest thing is engaging. Like if you are engaging with people, you're putting them first. A lot of what I see works really well is when you tag people and you celebrate their successes and, you know, maybe you, you do training somewhere and you have a, a, a team photo that might catch on things like that. I think uh, a second would be publishing that educational content, but really, really celebrating the people who follow you because they love to celebrate themselves. And they're there because they love BG. So those types of posts are also going to get a, a lot of appreciation. Ah, that's a good point. So from a, a strategy standpoint, the more you can, the more you can celebrate people individually in your territory and get them involved, the better off you're going to be. We've also talked a little bit in the past about the value of, of interacting with customers and commenters and things like that. Um, it's really easy to get into the habit of just like sharing a post and, and going to bed and, and then the next day sharing something else, you know, um, how, how important is it to engage with people, you know, when they comment and interact with your posts? 
I say it's number one. Uh, any any sort of responding is going to get their appreciation of you. The more people people love to comment. We all know this. Anybody who's on social media knows that. But a lot of times it's a competition who can have the best comment. So if if you're uh, validating them, it's going to make them feel better and make them want to follow you more. Uh, I think that it, posting has to have good intention. So if you're posting just to feel good about yourself and reel in the likes, you're not really putting the customer first and in, in what they're looking for. If you're posting to get the information out and see maybe even you asking a question to your customers and then they can weigh in, they feel the focus is shifted on them. And I think that's, that's something that people appreciate and respond to. Um, but the more that you can validate comments and even if, if they say, yeah, I love BG and then you're like, we love you too. It's, People love it. And then it get like I said, it gets them engaged more. And when they're engaged more, they're going to see more of your posts, especially on Facebook. Yeah, it, it seems like the, what you're really trying to do is establish an atmosphere of like camaraderie around your page. Right. You you when people see your post, they automatically have a positive impression, you know, right from the get go. Mm -hmm. So. So there's a there's another question there. Facebook especially is known to choke posts, right? If it doesn't meet certain qualifications or if you post too often or not enough or this, that, the other. How is the average guy supposed to navigate all that stuff without spending hours a week looking at blogs and stuff about the latest algorithm? Well, I would say the the biggest thing you want to do is to know your audience. And if, if you know what they want to see, they're going to engage with that more. Uh, if you tag people in posts, they're going to engage with them. If they don't say, if they don't see your post because you're a business page, uh, if you're a business page there, there's a lot less likely chance that people are actually going to see what you post. So you have to reel them in with engaging in um, interactive type things. You could do polls. Like, what do you want to see next? You could do contests. You could do uh show me the best uh, before and after photo. You can, you can do any kind of thing to get people to engage because like I said, if you're a business page, there's a good chance they're not going to see what you actually post. And then you feel right. like you're failing, but you just have to keep bringing those people in. It's, it's a bunch of trial and error, really. So posting an article is great, but if you can post something and get people to weigh in on it, you know, you ask for their opinion or you ask them to share a picture or something like that. I mean, that's, that's a much more meaningful way to connect with those people. Yes. And, and Facebook also loves original content. So when you share an industry link or even share a link from us, it's like, okay, but if you share an original photo or original video, Facebook is going to love that. And so, and your, and your audience probably will too. So posts like that and, and posts that, that we've gotten a lot of engagement on, Pumpkin spice, even though I think it's a little played, <laughs> it did really well. People shared it. They loved it. And, you know, anytime you can get people to uh, laugh about something, we all laugh about the similar things in the automotive industry. As long as you're not pushing the boundaries and that laughing is laughing at your customers, uh, there is a very fine line there. Right. Yeah. And, and, Camaraderie is great, but camaraderie around a negative topic is is 
not what we're going for, right? So post your worst customer horror story or post the grossest vehicle you've ever had come through your shop is not a, that's not a, the kind of content you want to push out there. Exactly. We had one that did, did really well and it was name this part, wrong answers only. <laughs> and we had tons of interaction with that because why? Because people love commenting and people love the competition. Like I'm going to come up with the funniest flux of flux capacitor comment ever. I was going to say that was the biggest like one. Like 90% yeah. of comments. Yeah. And so it's really people, people love stuff like that because it's competition and, you know, everyone thinks they're funny. And so everyone's going to comment on, you know, stuff like that really does well. And it really, like I said, it's, it's a trial and error to see what you, what your group likes. So I think that kind of gives us a good picture of where the value is for sales guys and all of this and, and what it can kind of do for their territory. Do you have any kind of parting words that you would say about the subject that, you know, as far as somebody who's maybe hasn't gone to that step yet or created a page, you know, what, what would you say to that guy who's not sure if he wants to jump into all this? I would say uh, conversations are happening online, whether you're part of them or not. And even if you join a social media platform just to manage reputation, that is still a valiant effort and uh, a worthy effort. So uh, there's a reason that you should be on there. And, and even just being responsive for your customers that, that may have not seen you in a while and aren't really sure when you're coming back, you can stay in contact with them much easier uh, through social media. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thanks for sitting down and chatting with me. Appreciate your input. Um, if guys have questions about any of this stuff, is it all right for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, fine by me. Good talk. All right. Have a good one. You too. All right. Welcome to part two of our social media marketing segment. Uh, to, right now, I'm joined by Sophie Denae, who is uh, kind of a jack of all trades cosplayer, uh, marketing consultant, especially for social media. Um, I, <laughs> it's hard to describe it. You do so many things. Like you work harder than anybody I know. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> got, a, got a lot of horsepower. <laughs> like a solid car. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> so, Sophie, I think... What what kind of uh, my thoughts were on on your angle on this conversation is you help uh, businesses and individuals who are trying to build a social media presence. You help them sort of hone that message and work on the best ways to get it out there. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And, and what kind of businesses do you typically work with in, in a consulting role? So I've worked with a little bit of everything from individual creators who are just starting, you know, their business online, whether they're like cosplayers or artists of some kind. Um, I have also worked with uh, right now I work with an esports company called Midwest Esports. I've also worked with like churches and typical brick and mortar stores. Um, social media across the board is very similar. So I feel comfortable working with all different types of industries. Well, I think with the, 
the guys that we're talking to right now, some of them, you know, have basic like personal pages for their social media. Some of these guys might not have any sort of social media presence whatsoever, but obviously their, their goal Mm -hmm. in, in marketing themselves is to get in touch with their customers and to stay in more uh, constant contact with their people, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. I certainly think that, um, I mean, regardless of industry, like personal touch is so important. And especially for what you guys do, um, being able to connect online as closely as possible as you do in person is very important. Just like that genuine, you know, personable, like, you know, this person, you feel like you know them, whether they're in front of you or whether it's their posts online. Absolutely. Personality needs to shine through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's start from the kind of the a bare bones perspective here. You know, for somebody who's who's looking to get started in a, in a social media from a business standpoint, do you do you have a recommendation on like, I mean, do you recommend Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? Like, what's kind of your opinion on the different uh, platforms? Um, I certainly think it doesn't hurt to be a little bit of everywhere. However, when you're trying to connect with like customers that you will see face to face, like in your territories or areas, um, I have heard, I think you and I discussed this before, and I did hear a bit about this on part one of the this um, series, I believe, about having um, friend pages instead of business pages, um, which is wonderful. That definitely is a great way to kind of like beat the algorithm to some extent and get in front of those people. But I do recommend having business pages. Um, Facebook, although reach can be a little bit, um, you know, hit and miss right now with the way the algorithms are. Um, I still recommend Facebook. Instagram is a great one. Uh, Twitter too. But I think the first step is identifying like uh, your, um, I don't know if you would call it audience or your your clients, the people who you're trying to reach, uh, figuring out where they are. Are they mostly Facebook users, Instagram users, Twitter? Uh, that's, the, that's really key to getting started and having the most impact on those uh, customers that you're going to be working with. And so polls are great for that, especially if you have a lot of your customers on your personal page or um, if you're going to connect with them in person, just, you know, asking them, gathering info, like, what social media do you use the most? You know, if I wanted to reach you on social media, what would be the best way to do that? And just gathering that info and starting from there. Right. Do a little bit of research. Ask ask the people yeah. you're trying to get in touch with. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned algorithms, which I know is something that you spend a lot of time trying to stay ahead of. Can you kind of explain to guys what you mean by those and, and how they affect the their posts? Yeah, absolutely. So because there is, you know, like billions of people using social media all the time and everybody is connected with, you know, whether it's hundreds of people or thousands of people, um, if everybody posted at the same time, feeds would get really messy and social media would basically crash temporarily. So the algorithm is um, to put it as simply as possible. It's like a bunch of little machines that do different things to decide what's going to show up in your feed. What do you want to see? What are you going to engage and interact with? Um, and those are very important. You don't have to know all the numbers, but it's just important to know kind of the basics of how they work when getting started. Um, like for instance, uh, the algorithm, when you put up a photo, will look at that photo to decide how quality it is. Like, does it deserve to be in feeds or is it not interesting, not engaging? Um, so that's how you kind of like have, it's a lot to explain. So, um, 
I recommend when people get started that when they're focusing on the algorithm or when they're interested in like getting ahead of the algorithm, um, that is going to decide how far your post reaches. Um, just to think of like, what are you posting and who are you posting to? So the algorithm is going to look at your photo. It's not looking at how attractive are the people in the photo, but it is looking at how attractive the photo is overall. Like, is it clear? Is it bright? Is it colorful? So um, you need photos. You don't want to do plain text posts because the algorithms don't like those either. So for most of your posts, if you have a business page, you're going to want a photo with it. That's like key to getting ahead of the algorithm and having those clear quality photos is important. Um, basically, the algorithm is just like the god of the social medias and decides whether your post is cool or not. <laughs> it gives a lot of thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just so many people using social media all the time but the algorithms are working extra hard to try and curate the content you see um i definitely think that for something like what um those who are likely listening to this do with the customers and your territories and connecting with them you're going to find it a lot easier to connect and get in front of the right people um because it is so niche whereas two years ago that would have been a bad thing now that's a good thing okay and this is all so if, if for those of you that don't know me personally real well, um, Sophie and my, my wife are friends. They both have big social media presences and uh, the algorithm plays a big role in, in how they interact with their fans. Um, my wife has, you know, 200,000 followers on Facebook and, you know, sometimes a post will only reach, you know, three or 4,000 of those people depending on, you know, what the algorithms do in that day. So it's probably not as big of a factor for, for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. The more followers you have also goes into it. So like if you, there's like different tiers that you hit, but say you, you have over a hundred thousand followers, you can expect your reach, not even engagement, but your reach to be 5% or less at this time. Um, and that's just, it's just the way things are. Unfortunately, part of that is social media trying to get you to pay for more reach for sure and make their money. Um, but that's why having like a niche audience that you know what they're interested in, you know, what you're, you're, you know, presenting them with what, what industry you're interested in, like showing them that right now can be very powerful. Whereas like what me and April do is a bit more like throwing a wider net. So it's a bit more difficult. Right. So along those same lines of, you know, what, what's the best things to post? Um, I imagine a lot of these guys, you know, because they're trying to educate their customers, you know, they're linking to articles or they might be sharing posts from like BG corporates, uh, own page, you know, is in those cases, like to link an article, does that show up well in the algorithm or like, sharing a BG's posts, is it better for them to save those posts and share them simply through their page or to repost, you know, the link from BG's post? Um, so in terms of the algorithm itself, anytime, so say you're using Facebook, anytime you're attempting to send somebody off of Facebook to a different website, you're going to get diminished reach. Like the algorithm will recognize that you just posted a link and it'll go, oh, you're trying to get people to leave Facebook. We're going to drop this. Say your average percent is ten or average percentage is ten percent. Now it may be five or less because Facebook wants you looking at your feed on Facebook for as long as possible. Um, but on the flip side of that, 
kind of what we were talking about, about those more niche audiences with Midwest esports, I have found that um, articles, whereas they don't uh, overperform, but they perform quite well because our audience, although smaller, is very everyone on that page is interested in esports and video games. So even when the algorithm hits those links, they still get engagement just fine. And I honestly think, I mean, I wouldn't know until um, like maybe I saw the data on it or what was going on on those pages. But I think that in the BG realm, that that would be totally okay to do um, because people are going to engage. And the more people, the more that people do engage with those links, even though they're being, it's called being throttled when your reach is diminished. Um, every time someone engages with it, you actually gain more reach. So you end up leveling yourself out. Now, you mentioned uh, boosting through Facebook, which is kind of their, their you, can, you can elect to pay money to have your post boosted so it reaches more people. Um, for, for a person in this, in this segment, you know, and with what they're trying to do, is boosting worth the money for them or are they better off just trying to form a grassroots uh, group? I would just focus on organic, um, <clears throat> excuse me, boosting right now or, or paying for those ads. Um, I feel unless you have an incredibly powerful, um, uh, you, unless you have somebody with you who's very familiar with like uh, building those ads to target very specifically, most of it's going to be very hit or miss and you're going to waste money um, because right now the way Facebook wants people to use something called Facebook pixel for ads, which is a whole nother ball game. So if you're just boosting posts in general ads, they will underperform and you'll likely lose money on them unless the person building the ad is very familiar with how to like target the right demographics and the right well, areas. I so well, I, I suggest focusing on organic also because once, so say you go and build a page right now, um, if you start making or, or paying for ads from the get-go, Facebook, the algorithm knows that you're doing that and it'll go, oh, this person is willing to pay for reach and you'll notice a diminished reach immediately. Uh, the Those little machines in the algorithm I was talking about, there's so many of them that have different jobs and one is purely to gauge how much money will this person spend. So like right now, if I went to like my cosplay page and boosted a post for $10, that post may do okay, um, but then after that boost has ended or that ad has ended, for the next 15 to 30 days, my reach is going to be less than 1% because Facebook is basically trying to goad me into paying again. They're like, mm, you already spent some money, bet we could get you to spend some more. Um, so with the reach of these pages, you know, it's, you're going to be reaching people that you, you know, likely meet like your customers anyway. So I recommend not doing that unless you have like a really big sale going on, something really big. You want a lot of people and a lot of new people to know about, I wouldn't recommend doing it. And if you're going to, I would do plenty of research first. So basically get flagged as a sucker. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. They're like, oh, we got one. <laughs> <laughs> right. This dude board. has tens of dollars to throw at this page. Squeeze <laughs> them all out give, of him. They will even give you free money sometimes. So if you run several ads in a row and then you stop for say five months and they're like, well, this person had a history of back-to-back -back ads and they stopped, we'll get a notification one day that's like, hey, we're giving you a free $10 to spend, build your ad now. But as soon as that ad ends with your free $10, your algorithm's ruined again. <laughs> so it's like a no win. <laughs> cycle of just oh, take my money 
So that would be a very good thing to just steer clear of for the average guy. Yeah, I, I kind of yeah. knew a little bit about uh, boosting because I, I used to have another podcast with some of my friends and I made the mistake of boosting some posts, you know, to try to get it out there a little bit. And mm-hmm. not only did they kill my reach from then on out, I mean, I couldn't get to anybody from there on, but when I did boost it, it just basically showed my profile to a bunch of bots anyways. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's important to remember that for every human on Facebook, there's something like uh, 150 bots, if not more. So like when that's you're boosting- insane. That's real? Yeah. Oh yeah. It may be more now. It may be less. Facebook is purging them all the time, which is another important thing to know is like- um, bots will just automatically follow you. That's just what they do. And so sometimes you may notice your um, audience going down. Like maybe you had a thousand followers and now you have 950. It was one of two things, either Facebook removing those bot profiles they found or your customers didn't engage with you for three months. And so Facebook is auto unliked. So that's another element to all of this as well. Or people are sick of your garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook decides they're like, Oh, people don't want you here. (laughs) Gotcha. So yeah, Danielle talked a little bit about engagement and how important that is. You know, if you're really trying to build a successful page, um, do you have some ideas that you use to, to keep, keep people that follow you engaged? Um, I think it's just about really being genuine. So this kind of changes all the time as like people change and what they're looking for. Like, a couple of years ago, people just, they didn't want to read walls of text. Like the the psychology behind social media was that people just wanted to look at images really quickly, be able to click like and scroll by. So if you had a wall of text, they were instantly turned off and they would like, you know, stop engaging with your post. And then you, you've lost them because you've fallen out of their feed. Um, now we're finding that people really, they're getting a little tired of this whole commercial, just drop content thing. And people are looking for real, like genuine people to engage with. So walls of text are back in quick quotes are back out. Um, so I think letting people get to know who you are, um, like obviously from a business standpoint, you want to be posting about your business and what you're doing. Um, but it's important not to be too commercial in your posts. You can't always be selling people things. You can't always be promoting things. They have to know the person behind the page. Um, So that comes in with just like those, you know, writing little essays about, you know, maybe your journey to how you got here or thank you posts like, you know, but like detailed thank you posts like thank you so much because of you guys, I've been able to do this and I really appreciate that. Um, That encourages engagement. Also, obviously asking questions. Um, You want to be careful of something called gating. So this changes all the time, the rules on engagement gating. But um, for a while, Facebook, if you even used a question mark in your post, you would lose reach because they were getting real crazy about stopping people from forcing engagement. Um, However, they've chilled out since. So you can ask questions again and you're not going to get ruined. You just can't tell people to comment below. So you can't say, what do you think about this cool new thing? Comment below and tell us because that's considered gating. The algorithm will read that and know that that is in there and you'll lose reach, uh, which you know is the opposite of what you want when you're trying to get engagement. So asking engaging questions is very important. Just pose them in a very natural way. Never be too like um, clickbaity, I guess. Uh, anytime people feel like it's a real person talking, like when they're reading it, they can envision you know the person that they've worked with or they know they're following talking to them that's super important um at least for right now this could always change maybe we'll go back to the clickbait days (laughs) (laughs) 
so it's just like a constant job trying to trick the oracle yeah it's um I was just talking about this earlier when uh, me and April, the other podcast that we had done, but it's, it used to be roughly every four weeks, the algorithms would change. Whereas because of, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook are both owned by Facebook and because of all the issues they've had with Congress and governments in the last year, the algorithms sometimes change daily at this point because they're still trying to decide like how this works, how do they protect themselves and keep people happy. Um, so it's always changing. However, the main goal of the algorithm, no matter what anyone thinks, is building community. Anytime they can see that you are genuinely building community, you're going to get more reach just because of that. Basically, that's considered a good behavior. The algorithm sees that favorably, and you'll notice things moving in a positive direction. A great way to do that is a Facebook group. Um, so pages are wonderful, but you know, no matter how genuine or wonderful your content is, you're still going to struggle on pages. That's just the nature of the environment we're in now. Um, and it's worth struggling through. I still believe that, but you know, it's there. Um, however, Facebook groups not only are fantastic for, you know, that genuine engagement and being able to connect with people more easily, they do also have a reach bar. However, it's not as, um, rigid as like the pages reach bar, but, um, Facebook will reward you when people join your group. You'll get little notifications like, thanks for building a great community. And people are like, oh, you know, that's just like Facebook sending out that message. And it, for sure it is. But the algorithms are recognizing this. Like, wow, these people are joining this group. They're interacting and engaging in this group. Um, and you'll get more reach because of that on your group. If your group's attached to your page, your page in turn will get more reach. So it's like a wonderful trickle down effect. So that's kind of an option that we didn't talk about at all, you know, when I was chatting with Danielle. Uh, but I've noticed that quite a few of uh, my creator friends, you know, whether they're artists or cosplayers or you name it, uh, groups seem to be like the new thing that everybody's doing. Do you think that that would be a, a better route to go than maybe a business page or something like that? Yeah, I certainly think so. Like <clears throat> if you have only, because again, like um, no matter what industry you're in, I think the more people you can get in front of that are, you know, within your industry and what you're trying to do is important. But for um, something like this, I think a group would be the most powerful way to connect with those people, um, hands down. So you could still have a page um, and post, you know, on there, but also post in the group separately. But because they're connected, you would be posting under the same name. So technically, you're under the same identity. Um, so people will be able to connect it easier. They don't feel like they're put in two different places. You know, it's still the same. Um, it's still the same person talking to them from the same place. It just reaches them a bit differently. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I think those are some some valuable tips for for people who are starting out. Because ultimately, you know, especially if this is not your primary focus, you know, there's there's a level of discouragement that comes when you don't feel like you're getting anywhere with your posts and stuff. So so to kind of summarize oh, yeah. what we've talked about, uh, business pages are good. Groups are better. Um, images are the. Yeah, are I, I think business pages are good. Post. I think. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. Sorry, to talk you over cut there. out there. So, oh no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> but images are good; um, they catch people's attention, and the algorithm likes them a little better. Um, be genuine, interact with people, and uh, 
I mean, I, th- I think that's that pretty much covers it. Uh, yeah, I think that's, yeah, be genuine. That's the key thing for getting that engagement. And engagement is the way everything is, like, just social media is weighing more on engagement. The algorithms want to see comments. So just encouraging people to engage with you and being genuine with them. Awesome. Well, uh, for any of you guys out there that are looking for some help on this, uh, like I said, Sophie is a consultant that uh, helps businesses out with social media and stuff. Um, If you're interested in talking to her about your strategy or maybe hiring her on a, on a, you know, contractual basis to help out with your social media, I'm going to leave her email down in the description for the, uh, the episode. But other than that, man, thanks for joining us, Sophie. I really appreciate the feedback. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope it helps. All right. Welcome to segment three of our social media marketing episode. Uh, Now I'm joined by someone you might know as Buffalo BG on Facebook, Sean White. How you doing, Sean? Good, Casey. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, when, when, when I started spitballing ideas for this episode with some of the people around BG, you know, when they talk about when, when anybody brings up social media in regards to BG, Buffalo BG is usually the first name to come up. You and Spiro kind of have a corner on the market. Right. It's a good, bad or indifferent. We come up, right? Right. <laughs> you're a, so you're basically you're the e-boy of BG. You know, I've been called worse things, so it's uh, I'm all right with that. It's definitely been a learning process. <laughs> so, Sean, uh, maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about how you came to be with BG, uh, a little bit about your career. Sure. Um, so I started my career out by going to tech school. I actually went through UTI and uh, I got picked up by BMW in their MSET program or uh, sorry, their step program. And it was a six month deal kind of cool because 19 was guaranteed a job with a a major OE right out of school. And I stuck with them for quite a while. I worked my way up to a master tech and was an assistant foreman until I decided to shatter my wrist, which can't really turn wrenches after you do that. So I had to kind of change gears, so to say, and figure out what I was going to do with myself. And luckily I was at a dealership that took care of us and they realized that, you know, I wasn't any good to them. And vice versa. So they actually sent me off to training for a couple of weeks. And while I was there, I got to know the training manager pretty well. And after being there for two weeks, they said, Hey, you know, uh, we got some openings on corporate. And I was lucky enough to get picked up by BMW North America for a corporate technical trainer down in uh, Orlando, Florida. So it was pretty neat. I was able to take what I learned as a tech and take that and be able to teach the same students going through the same stuff that I did. And, uh, the cool thing about that is the instructors I had actually became my coworkers because they were still there. So it was kind of a full circle deal for me. And uh, quite frankly, I would have never left that job. And after I had kids, I got a two and uh, four year old. Now my wife wanted to come back to New York and raise our kids around our family. And I obliged like any good husband. And uh, <laughs> so, but the big thing for me is, you know, once I left the dealer, I didn't want to go back. And I think a lot of guys that have left the dealer can agree to that. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you get a taste of the outside world and what other opportunities are out there in this business. And I actually took a job as a service manager at a GM dealer, kind of sight unseen. 
went, yeah, you know what? Pays about the same. I can figure it out. And, uh, did that for two years. And that was truthfully the first introduction I had to BG. I mean, the whole time I was with BMW, just like any factory trained guy is you drink the Kool-Aid and they paid me well to drink a lot of BMW Kool-Aid. And, you know, I get to the GM dealer where all these problems are present and I'm sitting there going, I got broken cars. I don't even know how to fix. I can't fix them. And had a competitor product in there at the time and tried calling the rep, tried calling the rep, nothing, nothing, nothing. And, so I started doing my homework and this BG thing kept coming up. I'm like, what's BG? What is this? And I'm like, boy, girl club of America. What, what, what is going on here? <laughs> and, no, I'm serious. I had no idea what it was. And uh, so I call the rep up. He shows up. He, he comes in with his little lab set. And I'm like, what is going on here, Bill Nye? And does his demo. And it happened to be my wife's Cadillac fixed car. And I was like, all right, see ya. Thanks. And it took six months for me to let him in the door, to be honest with you. Because I was a technician that thought if it was broke, fix it. I want my frou for fixing it mechanically. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I had another issue with my car. It came back in. And that was uh, when I first got introduced to PG. Fast forward two years later, I decided to leave the dealership for some personal reasons. It just uh, my personality didn't fit so well with being a puppet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually turned down BG for six months. I uh, wasn't smart enough to take the time to listen to kind of what it was that we actually do. I thought you were just a khaki pan, black shirt sales guy walking the door and going, hey, buy my stuff. And so you were a difficult sale all the way along. I was stubborn. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a common trait I have apparently. But but you know, I, I just never took the time to be educated on any of it. And I finally was a point. I, took, I literally took three months off of work and hung out with my kids and kind of realigned my focus on what I wanted to do with myself. And I finally said, you know what? I got nothing to lose. This guy seems great. Let's do it. And that's, you know, I, that's where my whole, my statement, I always tell my boss as well, I'll fake it till I make it, man. I'll figure it out. And it's been good. So that's kind of how I came to, to BG. Now, how have you, how long have you been with BG? Uh, I'll be two years, January. Two years. Yep. Now, uh, not to get too personal here, but, your territory what 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 kind of sales was it putting out when you took it over uh man probably 15 20 ish a month not and not the best it was actually the worst in new york state when i took it over i was gonna say that for your distributorship i mean I, you're the rest of your guys are you know consummate <clears throat> professionals that was probably kind of a black eye in that area huh yeah i mean it was it's a tough area and, and i'm not saying that to build an excuse but it's it's Western New York, man. I mean, we have brutal winters. We have beautiful summers, but it's you've got everything from downtown to backwoods woodchuck accounts, man. I mean, it's you've got to be able to step into a, a dealer one minute into a mom and pop garage the next that doesn't even know what GDI is, and you've got to be able to change that gear quickly. So it's you know not giving myself credit, but it, it takes a special person to be able to do that, and I think that was really the issue out here. So what's your monthly average as it sits two years in? Oh, last year I closed out at 815, 813, 813 I did last year. So what's that, 67 and change, I think. Yeah, that's that tremendous, man. Congratulations, that's awesome. Oh, thanks, I appreciate it. I mean, it's it's been a lot of hard work from a lot of different people, but it's, you know, we've had, I think it's a 230% growth is the number I came up with since I took it over. 
Wow. So it's, that's, that's wild. And so you and I talked a, a few weeks ago about social media yep. and kind of your social media presence. How did that all get started? You know, to be honest with you, I was thinking about the other day after we talked, and it really kind of all started with BGU. I mean, that's actually where I first met you. I think it was, what, April of 18? So I was, yep. about, I was about four months into my, my BG career, and I went to BGU, and I'm sitting there, you know, right in the front row. And I'll be honest with you, I, from all my professional experience, this is all I've ever done. I'm sitting there going, what am I going to learn from these guys? You know? <laughs> But I'm serious, you know, and I'm sitting there going, all right, well, take it for what it's worth. Take it at face value. Take the good stuff that you can and, and work with the rest. And I think the biggest thing I took out of it was the whole Mikey B move the couch speech. You know, if you don't mm-hmm. like what's going on, pick the couch up and move it. Um, I can't remember who said it. It might have been you, but was the the be present when not present. I think yeah. I'll, I'll take credit for that quote. All right. You can have it. <laughs> that, yeah. one's, that one's a generational one, I think. You know, but the whole to be present when not present. And, I, and those were the two biggest things I took out of that. And it, it was kind of ironic because, you know, we did the, the few days we were there. I get on the plane to fly back to New York. And at the time I was listening to um, uh, Grant Cardone. For those of you who don't know who he is, if you want some motivational sales speech, download his stuff and listen to him. He's a good dude. But uh, – in, in 10x's name of the book, there was a section about omnipresence. You know, omnipresence is being present at all times. You know, find a way to get yourself, get your product, get your brand in front of everybody you can at all times. And I'm sitting there going, how do you do that? And I'm sitting there going, and at the time, ironically, I'm on a plane. What else am I doing? I'm listening to my phone and I'm playing on Facebook. Right. And, and, a, and a light bulb went off and I'm like, oh, Facebook, it's right here. I grew up with a phone. I got this. And so I brainstormed this whole idea on the plane. I go back to my boss and the, the owner of our distributor. I'm like, I got this idea. And I'm like gleaming from ear to ear, you know? And, and I'm like, I want to do this Facebook page. Here's what I want to do. And they both kind of look at me and like, nah, dude, I don't think so. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't a hard no, but it was like that suggested soft no. Like we've already been there. We've done that. It didn't work. Focus on building your territory. And I took it for what it was worth. Kind of wasn't too thrilled, to be honest. And I still joke with them all the time. Actually, today it came up. And I was like, hey, I uh, picked up a new account last week. I'm glad I didn't do that. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I spent about 30 days the next month collecting data, taking pictures, talking to my techs, listening to the problems they're having. I just kept keeping them on my computer. And I, I woke up one morning and said, you know what? My territory is in good shape. It's going the right direction. I feel like I'm in good shape here. They ain't going to fire me if I do it. And I just kind of made the page. And I figured I'd beg forgiveness instead of asking permission. And and that's kind of where it came from. Very cool. Now, so you've had your page going for how long? Uh, Probably a year and a half, I'd say. And I don't know if it's over here because I'm starting to get my stuff to pop back up, so. Yeah, so it was early on when you started. Yeah, yep. It's uh, I'd say it's about a year and a half. So, what's been your overall experience in in dabbling in social media? Uh, man, that's a good question. It, it's kind of all over the board, man. I mean, it depends on what aspect of it you're talking about. There, there's so much that you can do with it if you're willing to do it correctly. 
And, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that I can lean on with this is it's, it's not for everybody. You know, doing the social media page, doing what I do on there, if you're not fully committed to it, don't even bother. Because it's, you're, it's always on. It's always in front of you. And if you're not going to be willing to do it, don't. You know, you're going to have those hecklers out there that are going to troll you and are going to try to get you off point, you know. But the overall experience has been phenomenal. And just from a learning point, being the new guy, you know, like I said, I'm two years in BG. By, by putting up posts, it forced me to do homework to make sure what I was saying was intelligent. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know, I'm, I'm throwing this, this picture up there. I'm throwing them up a, a blurb of information. I'm going, man, I hope this is right. And so it forced me to do a lot more reading and, and develop my craft on the BG side before I would do the post. So it's kind of a twofold thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks, well, about a month ago, I did a video with a local YouTuber out of the Wichita area. Um, he doesn't have, I mean, he's not a huge page, but he has, you know, 180, 190,000 subscribers. And man, the comments section is just a dumpster fire. I mean, I got, I got roasted. <laughs> it is, it can be. And, and everything from like the things I was saying to like, this guy's always got his hand in his pocket. What a douche. <laughs> what's, what's he got? He got a hole in that pocket? What's going on there? Right. It's, I tell you, man, you, you got to police it. And it's, you know, I'm sure you'll probably ask me later on, what are the good and bads of this whole thing? And it's funny because the, the, the biggest pro and the biggest con of the whole thing is exactly the same, is it never goes away. You know, I mean, you can log out, but as soon as you turn your phone back on, it's da-dink, 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 da-dink. But, right. And it's, you just have to be able to police those people. It's, it's good though. So, um, what's, what's, what was your overall goal for the page? I mean, you know, you want to be present when not present. I mean, <sighs> the overall I, I, goal, man, my, it was when I took this territory over, one of the last questions I asked and, was what's the overall vehicle registration count right in my territory and when i got that number and realized that in new york state my territory has the largest vehicle registration density but yet was the biggest underperformer wow that that was a red flag for me going what is wrong you know to me highest vehicle registration density should also equal highest sales and as soon as i got that answer i said i'm in and so my overall goal for the page was I've got X hundred thousand worth of people out here. How do I capture that audience? And I think I've got 15, 1600 people on there. You know, some of them aren't even in this country. It's, but the, the idea behind was if I can do posts, I can gain enough momentum. I can effectively build my own brand. You know what I mean? And hundred percent. And start getting these shops together on here. Because my original goal was just shop people, just technicians, parts guys, owners, dealer principals, that kind of thing. And it's become so much more of that. And I figured if I can do this and if I can do this right and I can capture the audience and get people to to follow the, the BG thing, it's going to make my life that much easier. You know, I can do one demo, post the video of it and instantly hit 1500 people. And, and uh, the other side of it too is, you know, I, I put a demo up there. I can tag certain individuals 
all my independent shop owners, for example. And when I go in that shop, hey, man, what was that all about? Now they're coming to me with questions instead of me trying to figure out, all right, what am I going to talk to Joe about again? You know, I already talked about his cat. I already talked about his dog. You know, they're coming to me <laughs> with going, hey, talk to me about that post. What was that? You know? Absolutely. So how organized are you about posting content? Is it something that you spell out in advance or is it just sort of reactionary when you're in your territory doing things? You know, in the beginning, it was more calculated, to be honest with you. You know, when I was building it, I, I took those that 30 days worth of information I had and, and I was a lot more religious about, OK, I'm going to post this today. I'm going to do this at this time. And as my territory's grown, the time to do that has you know shrank. Not that it hasn't been a priority, but it, it hasn't been the primary focus. And, and now the page kind of has its own heartbeat. It kind of keeps itself going. And now it's I'm walking through a shop and I see a, a, a GM24 that decide to spit the pistons out the side again. I take a handful of pictures. I get the data. I throw the post up. Or, okay, I haven't posted a demo in a while. Let me go ahead and make sure I do a good setup here. Make sure I take good pictures. Make sure I tell the guys, hey, while I'm doing this, I'm also going to be doing this for my Facebook page, just so you're aware. Because it does take more time. And uh, so I would say in the beginning, it was more calculated. Now it's kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And if I see something good, I take the time to make it better and put it up there. What kind of posts are the most effective and tend to get the most reactions and stuff from the, the crowd? Uh, videos all day. Videos and really good quality before and after demos. Um, one of the first videos I did up there, I think, was the... Uh, you know, the power steering demo with the 332 and they hang the weight off it and then you pour the 330 in, right? That got like 1,500 views in the first six hours. And I'm sitting wow. there, and to me, I mean, I've never been a big social media guy. So me, I'm sitting there going, man, that's awesome. And the next day I put up a post that was, uh, just recently I put that one up about the uh, GF6AB oil charts and the data, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, this is really good information. They're going to love it. And I got like crickets. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's the stuff you need to know, guys. But I put up a cool video about smoking and burning and everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. And they're sharing the snot out of it. So it's like you, you got to be able to share what works in the, in the videos and the good before and afters are, are really the home runs. You know, the, the more dynamic the post can be, the better off you're going to be. Go where the sizzle's at, basically. Uh, it's just like the smoke and burns. You know, why do we do demos? We do demos to have the sizzle to show what we do. If I were to just walk in and go, yeah, I'm Sean with BG, uh, you want to buy it? It, it ain't going to work. So it's really kind of the same concept of how our business is built. That's a good way of putting it. You know? So you mentioned trolls. Where do you <laughs> tend to get your trolls from? Uh, a little bit of everywhere. Uh, I, I think that, the big, that, that power steering demo sounds like troll bait. Uh, it is a little bit of troll bait because they're like, oh, you didn't do that. That's You didn't open that bottle in front of them. And it, you do tend to get more trolls with the videos. But, you know, the cool thing about the trolls is in the beginning, I would just delete them. I was like, I ain't got time for you, bro. It's 10 o'clock at night and I want to go to bed. You're out of here. And I delete them. But I've kind of spun that a little bit. Two things have kind of come from it is one, my shops, my guys get on them. Like they attack for me. They're like, no, nah, you don't know. Have you seen a demo? You don't know Buffalo BG. What are you talking about? 
and <laughs> and they start defending me and I just kind of sit back and let it happen and you know delete the f bombs out of this comment stream and keep it professional but you know so there's that way and, and the other way to handle them is you know I pull them off to the side in a direct message if you will and I just let them spew let them have their peace and I actually use that as kind of a way to hone my craft to deal with them if they were in person you know cuz the internet arguments are pointless you know what I mean but right. it gives me an opportunity to work on word tracks. What's going to work? How can I diffuse this guy? Or I've always wanted to say this, but never had the balls to say it in person. Let me say it here and see what happens. You know, what do I got to lose? You know, at the end of the day, he's a pixel on my tele- on my computer screen. So, <laughs> so I've learned to kind of use that uh, to work on my word tracks. So it's. Do you find that letting them talk and just kind of say their piece, does that pacify them or is it a, a 50-50 mix of people who just get more and more uh, insane. That's a 50-50 mix. I mean, most of the guys that do the trolling are really there just to set fires and walk away. Right. But, but it's like you said, if you if you take the time to make your best of it, who really cares who wins at the end? And there's a couple of them. I had a, I had a shop not too long ago that the manager was the troll. He was calling me out on a... I was one of the first seafoam demos I did. He was calling me out on it, so I deleted the, the thread and pulled him off the side. And I basically ended with, you know, I understand your uh, reservations on it. How about you let me come in the shop and I'll do it for you? And, and I kind of used his ego against him because he's like, yeah, go ahead and come here and I'll show you everything you're doing wrong. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, so I loaded up my demo box. I was there two days later and it's one of my better independent accounts. Wow. So well, it, which, which demo was it that you did? When I went there, it was just the the forty four k? Because I did it. With, okay. I did it with the sea foam, just like the one I posted a couple of days ago. I did it with the sea foam, and he's like, "Oh, that fallout's fake. You put that in there." And I'm like, "No, not really, bro." But, and I just went there, did the typical smoke and burn, and, and it got his attention. And then once he realizes that we're not just the khaki pants, black shirt, iPad carrying sales guy, that we actually know what we're talking about, it tends to diffuse him. And one kind of thing that's worked for me in my territory, you know, I, I said in my in the beginning, my personality, I'm kind of stubborn and I'm that, I'm that guy. And I, I hate to say it, but it's true. You know, you go to do a demo and you got that tech in the background that's nitpicking everything you're doing. That's me. And I, you know, I, <laughs> I remember when I was a tech and the castle guy came in and I'm sitting there going, no, wrong. No, but in being that guy, it's helped me kind of develop my own way of doing it to try and answer all the questions I would have as a as a somebody in the audience before I even say it. So when you're doing the demo, it helps you out, and that's that's kind of how it's worked for me with those guys. Now, when Danielle and I were talking, we we kind of discussed like the various different positive effects and goals you might have for a for a social media page, regardless of the platform. And, you know, our, our line of thinking was that actual sales might be kind of a secondary goal of the whole thing. And, and that the primary might be something about, you know, just being present, like you said. But what sales accomplishments have come directly from your page? I'd say you guys are exactly right. You know, the presence is the primary sales was secondary. And sales, I, I'd have to do a little homework to give you an actual dollar figure, but I think I've started probably a half dozen or so independents off of the page alone. Basically, they saw it 
and they liked it. They want to know more. Can you come in and talk to me? You know, and then you go close the deal up in person. Um, I think the biggest side of the sales, to be honest with you, Casey, is is the spreading of the line. You know, I make it a point when I go into my shops to try and get everybody on my Facebook as possible. You know, I, I'm shameless with it. I walk in, hey, you're new. Here's my Facebook page. Follow me. <laughs> Better yet, what's your name? And I'll do it for them. And, you know, so when I do a demo on Inforce or I'll do a demo on 44K and, or a headlight kit, for example, that's a good one. I'll get a text message or a call or a Facebook message from the owner of the shop and says, hey, why don't I have that? What is it? Come talk to me. Okay. So it's been a really easy way for me to kind of to spread the line with any existing accounts because they saw it. They already saw the demo. Why don't I have it? Then they buy it. So that's right. really where the, the residual sales comes from. Oh, that's awesome. So direct, you had some accounts that resulted directly from yep, your, the, your social media presence. The actual the first week I had the page, I got an account off it. And that's kind of when I actually brought it to, to my owner's attention. It was like, hey, remember that thing you told me not to do? I did it. But here's the good thing. I got an account. and uh, <laughs> I, I know you're mad. <laughs> that's exactly it's like I was approaching my wife. I know you told me not to buy it, but I bought it, but I got your favorite color. You know, <laughs> it was the same approach and it, and it was well received. And it, that same weekend, actually, my wife went to some Apple thing that I had to go to. It was like an Apple festival. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I'm walking through this thing, playing on my phone. And I get a message that says, hey, I saw this on your page. I want to buy it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I just sold a case of headlight kits walking through an Apple orchard. All right. It's awesome. I'm like there's something to this. And it's well, it's a perfect example, Casey. I just before you called me tonight, I got a message from a, a technician that used to work at one of my dealers that left, had no idea where he went. He's at a like a Mavis or something like that. And he says, Hey, I convinced my boss to let us start with a case of six five seven sevens, but can you be here Monday? Sure. Oh wow. So, so Monday morning, first of the month in December when it's slow, I'm going to a shop that I don't currently do business with, that I had a good rapport, that followed my Facebook page. It's done. You know? Man, that's incredible. That's really that's, cool. And the, the other thing, too, and not to keep yammering on here, but the I don't do cold calls anymore. I can't tell you the honest, honestly the last time that I woke up and went, man, I need to go do some cold calls to drum up some new business. I don't do them. You know, I'll go to one of my current shop owners on here and I go, hey, got any buddies in your circle that I haven't talked to? Or I'll get a message that, hey, I was talking to so-and-so at the last diagnostic training we had with Snap-on. He's interested in your products. Okay. You know, I've got, I've got a handful of independents right now that are in a pipeline that I should be able to close this week if I, you know, actually do my job. And they're all purely off Facebook. Oh man, that's incredible! So it's it's warming up the cold calls. Absolutely, hundred percent. And, and the, the other side of this too is, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to talk to this guy about building the rapport, right? You're going to the account, you got the guy's name. Okay, this is my detective tool. I go on the dude's Facebook if he's got one, and I go, okay, he likes boats, he likes cats, he's got a dog. What did he do last weekend? And Okay, now I go to his LinkedIn page if he has one, see what he's like professionally, see if he's got anything. And I'm fully loaded. I got the BG stuff down. I got the technical. I know about the guy. Let's go. And right. I've got everything this, I need this to This guy know. is very publicly angry at his ex-wife. Right. <laughs> and then I bring up my ex-wife. We got something in common, and he buys all the BG. 
there you go. Bonding. That's beautiful. That's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> so kind of along those lines, uh, is there anything that you have regretted posting? I don't know if it's necessarily regretting, but I've learned some lessons. Um, <laughs> in the beginning, I used to, when I was trying to to show everybody how widespread I am and that I cover this whole territory and it's all mine and you know I'm going to dominate, I would check in. You know, at, at Bob's Garage, I checked in. I'd go to here, I would check in. I'm doing a demo at so-and-so's. And I was religious about it, right? And I got a message one night from... I'm going to leave the name out of it, but from a GM of one of my stores, and it's one of my big dealers. I'm probably 10 to 15 K a month in there. And Ooh. right. So I see him pop up in my messenger and I'm like, Oh, and I instantly got that gut check. Cause this was like 10 30 at night on a Saturday. And this ain't good. So I open it up and it was one line thing. that basically says, why do you only do free advertising for the independents and not us? And I'm sitting there and I'm, I instantly got mad. And I'm like, what is this guy talking about? I'm like, I'm not doing advertising for anybody. And I, and I went back and I realized that I was favoring my independence on the Facebook page because I was trying to help them out. They don't have the, the liquid capital to do the advertising. And I realized, yeah, you know what? He's kind of got a point. I'm kind of singling out the independents, trying to help them out, not really doing anything for the dealers. And so then I stopped basically checking in places because I didn't want to have to deal with it. You know, it's, it's, it's not important right. to what I really doing. So why do it? It's not balance is not a thing you want to think about as you're trying to fill the pipeline on there and stuff. Right. You know, if now periodically you'll see me checking if I'm doing a demo, you know, doing a new demo or welcome aboard, you know, welcome to the BG family, so-and-so's garage. I'll still do that, but you know, sharing their weekly tire rotate special. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. You know, it's, that's for them to do. That's one big thing I learned is that that's your advertising. This is my page. This is my stuff. I'm going to keep them separate. Ah, that makes sense. Well, and I think sometimes, you know, when you think about social media, you know, it's easy to think nobody is seeing this. Nobody's paying attention. It doesn't really matter. It's not useful for me to do. But, you know, in in that case, I mean, that that GM is paying close enough attention to what you're posting to notice a trend, you know. Correct. And that, that was kind of the wake up call for me. I'm like, all right, I didn't even know this dude was looking at this and he's going to call me out at his own time on a Saturday. He's obviously not too happy about it, man. Yeah. I'd never thought about that angle on it. That's, that's interesting. You know, and, and it was funny because we never talked about it. I saw him that Monday. I purposely went there because I figured, well, if he's mad, he's going to call me out of it. Let's talk about it. Let's get the, you know, floodgates open and get this handled. And we just went about our business and we've yet to talk about it. So just, let it go. So looking forward into the future here, maybe next year and stuff like that, are there any things that are on your agenda for your page or that you plan to hype extra hard? Uh, you know, I've been dabbling with the idea of doing a Facebook live demo and I've been toying with it for a while. Cause I think it would be pretty cool to do. Uh, but again, you're live, man. There's no, there's no redos. There's no edits. This is my page. <laughs> you know, I got a, I got a face for radio and a voice for the deaf. So how well is this going to go over? And you know, yeah, I dropped the test tube. Okay. Now I got to explain it. So I, I've been hesitant on doing that, but I think that'd be a really cool thing to do in the future. 
Um, or even if I'm just doing them in my garage and I'm recording them and throw them up on there. Because like I said, you know, you, you share it once, you're sharing to the world. You know, I, I'm surprised about the, the international presence that I have on my page. And really, it, it, it's it's huge. It, it's almost kind of like it follows Ryan Weems when he travels. Like I notice when he's overseas, <laughs> I get more ads and I'm like, ah, maybe it's just in my head. But but he does seem to like uh, his contacts seem to migrate into everybody else's contacts. That's for sure. They do, and I'm like, I don't even know how. Is that a character in the name? What's going on? All right, you want to be my friend? Be my friend. I don't care. <laughs> but, but yeah, so Facebook so, Live's kind of in the future, and I've dabbled with the idea of creating a Buffalo BG LinkedIn page. And my thought behind that was kind of like a mullet. You got a part in a you know business in the front, party in the back, and I'd be able to gear the LinkedIn page more towards the business side directed more towards the dealer principals, the managers, F&I, you know, the really truly revenue generating side of what we do and keep the Facebook side more the fun side, the back end of the mullet. And here's the demos. Here's what we're doing. Here's the shop content and kind of separate the two. Cause a lot, a lot of people, see, I, that makes sense. You know, I, I played with that idea. I just don't know how I'd be able to do it and streamline it and have it make sense. And again, I got to tell you, man, having a successful page is like having another job. It's oh, it, for sure. The policing it, the making sure it's up to date, make, making sure everything I'm doing and saying is politically correct and business savvy. And it's tough, man. Yeah, it's definitely not a not something that you should take on without any forethought or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, like we said in the beginning, if you're not going to put all your effort into it, not all your effort, but a, a fair amount to make it good. Don't even bother. You know, there's a lot of pages out there that I've seen where they they started off with a bang and they haven't posted in three months and then they'll post something. And, you know, I I just don't think that does anybody anything. Um, I actually think that if you have a successful territory and you think this is a great idea and you start one and it flops, I I feel like it could be a little detrimental for you because, you know, you got a really good territory and then you start this Facebook page, everybody starts following you and it falls off. You know what I mean? I, I don't know if it, maybe it's right. Maybe it won't, but. Well, anything that you do and you don't follow through on is going to reflect poorly, you right. know? Yep. So, so, and maybe that sort of encompasses it, but in closing here, I mean, do you have any, you know, parting words of advice for sales reps that are, are listening to this and thinking like, man, maybe it's time for me to do this. Yeah. I, you know, do your homework. Um, kind of get a feel for what your territory is like. And, and if you're the kind of guy or gal that's actually going to be able to stick with it and do it, because I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I'm, I'm 32. I kind of grew up with a phone in my hand. I've always been into technology. I've always been into cars. The whole thing kind of comes natural for me because I like technology. I like, you know, playing on Facebook and all that stuff now. You know, for maybe a, a little bit older of a guy trying to get into it, you got to make sure that you want to do it. You know, do the research on it, figure out what it's going to take to do it. And if it's going to fit your territory, if it's going to fit your personality, you know, the rapport building side of it's huge. You know, I'll be, my wife yells at me all the time because I sit on my phone all night. She's like, well, put your phone away. And it's, well, I'm in a really good conversation with a handful of different texts. It's a group message from a handful of different shops and I'm building rapport. You know, so, so make sure you're committed, make sure it's something you want to do and it make sure it's going to be a tool to grow your business. Cause at the end of the day, we're sales guys, you know, we're out there to get the sale. 
And if you use it just as the, the social side to be buddy, buddy, that's great. But is it really going to help you get your sales? So make sure your angle on it's correct. And that's pretty much it, man. Good advice, Sean. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It's good talking to you, man. Yeah, you as well. And again, thanks for having me.